Dear listener, please note that this podcast is recorded during COVID-19 where we can't get into the studio and give you the quality that you are accustomed to. For any changes in quality, we ask for your apology. Hello and welcome to What's Love, the podcast. This is a podcast series brought to you by Zanga Zurugel and in collaboration with the Soul City Institute for Social Justice. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of What's Love, the podcast. Last week, our last podcast was on uh, mental health, and we had Dr. Balisa Masangu. We had other guests bearing their souls and discussing mental health during the COVID-19 lockdown. We received so many questions, so many voice notes from you. And we thought that what we are going to do is to call Dr. Mashang back to answer some of your questions. Welcome, Dr. Mashang. Thank you. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And you? I'm fine, thank you. You were a favorite. In fact, the whole discussion on mental health, just for me, and I think we said it even in the episode, just how much of a need uh, there is. We had a number of people reach out to us, sending us messages. um, And I want you to listen to some of the questions that were sent. And uh, today, what we will be doing is to um, get you to answer the questions. And let me just thank you for availing yourselves to answer the various questions that our listeners sent to us. Let's take a listen. Hello. I found your conversation on the topic of mental health very interesting. And I do have a question which is related to people's childhood development. Well, I just want to know if there is any correlation between a person's early childhood development and their mental health as adults. Meaning that I just want to know if a a person's childhood development can directly affect a person's mental health as an adult. My second question is related to seeking help. I just want to find out if... Are there any places where a person can contact or at least visit in order to find out more information of how they can deal with issues related to their mental health? Wow, Uspalisa, there's our first question. It's about upbringing and a person's background and also places to help. Over to you. Uh, yes, I, there is. A uh, correlation between someone's upbringing and uh, mental health. However, I need to hasten to say that we should not have the impression that if necessarily you were born or raised in a family that was dysfunctional, that you would necessarily be dysfunctional. I think that is something we need to clarify because we tend to stigmatize people or stereotype. However, having said that and cautioned us on that, that yes, there is a correlation. For some people may have grown up in environments that 
expose them to childhood traumas. And if those traumas were never dealt with, they can lead to mental health in adulthood. For some people, they may be raised in an environment, and I mean no disrespect to anyone's belief, but some people have belief systems that may not be healthy to our mental health, which is like satanism. Um, those, that type of exposure to a child can lead them to difficult mental health issues as they grow up. Um, also, um, sexual abuse, I've already spoken about trauma. Um, others, even environmental, social, economic uh, situations that are extremely difficult can lead to those. I'm not saying examples because people tend to stereotype and generalize, so um, I, I'm cautious to use examples in this case. Thanks, Ospalisa. I think for me, um, there's a number of things when I hear people talk about upbringing, eh? Um, I'll, 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 I'll add um, a, a question there. You know, uh, often parents have to work and they've got to leave their uh, children very young and, and maybe leave them with a gogo and maybe gogo has to look after five or six um, uh, children at a time because everybody else comes and leaves the children there. Many children are growing up without their fathers present. Uh, in fact, 60% of children, uh, some research pointed out, that are growing up in uh, single-headed households, and those are mainly women. How does that issue of not growing up with both parents affect you? And I'm asking because your answer reminded me of shows like Kumbule Kaya, Utadako, where you see people at a very older age still going out and seeking that relationship with a parent. So this question of upbringing uh, made me, you know, remember, you know, some of those circumstances. How does that end up growing up either with both parents because they've had to, um, um, you know, they've got, they've had to go and work or knowing that you've got a father, but they are not um, um, uh, present. And in some instances, you've got a mother but, you know, your mother just left and nobody's telling you what happened. How does that affect a child's, you know, uh, probability of having, you know, mental health? How, how big of a trauma is that? Yes, I think it, it is important that children grow up with both parents. That would be the ideal situation. However, some children may grow up with both parents and you find that the parents are very unhealthy and toxic around the child. So for me, it is not only the issue, the ideal, as we said, is to have both parents. However, for me, what is important is the healthiness of the parents around the child. Um, the children, may, children may be raised by a single parent, but if that parent has managed to have a balance in their lives, that those children can grow up very healthily. Uh, it depends on the value system of the person raising the children. Children, in my understanding, don't need donors or carriers, uh, that is women who bought them or men who have contributed to them being alive. Children need parents. So mm. whether they're raised by Ukoko, raised by a single woman or a single man, as long as that person is a parent, 
has values mm. that are healthy for the child, that child will grow up in a healthy manner. Wow, Uspalesa, I found that unbelievably profound because again, and I'm and I'm really glad I asked that question. Again, many women will stay in toxic relationships and marriages and say, I want to do it for my children. But what you are saying is actually very important that in fact, children must be with healthy parents, whether it's uncle or gogo, the environment must be healthy. Maybe explain a little bit what defines a healthy environment, just examples of how do we make an environment healthy for children, regardless of who brings them up. One, values. What values have been instilled? If a child grows in an environment where love is shown through beating up, that is no value. And a lot of mm-hmm. abusers would declare that going love for the person they're abusing. And then the child thinks that showing love is shown through being beaten. When I was growing up, if I may just go on a tangent, I would mm-hmm. go into a bus or into a train and you'd hear one of our, I would see Sabatala at the time, would be saying, hey, yes, Joe. And that was a beautiful thing. That was a good thing. That type mm. of exposure is unhealthy because then one equates being beaten up to being loved. We call beating people up discipline, even for children. We call beating them up discipline. Yes. And there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Mm. Mm. Punishment mm. is about me, the person who's inflicting the pain. Discipline is about helping the one who's wrong to do it better. And most unbeating has nothing to do with the person. It has to do with me. Okay. And and I guess what you are saying is that beating has something has got nothing to do with discipline. Yes. Because what you do is you are instilling fear rather than helping the child, you know, seek a better way. Uh, that's a lot that we can discuss one day. And I'm sure we must do a, an episode on, on, on parenting. But I'm very happy that you dispelled this myth that you'll have bad luck if you don't know your father's surname or your mother's surname. And I guess maybe when we see people seeking their parent is because the environment that they were in was not nurturing. It was not loving. It was not supportive. And they grow up with this idea that if only my mother or my father was around. I think you've touched on another topic for another day, but if I may just Mm. say something to it. The issue mm. about the surname. Mm. I, in Dabespo, it's serious within mm. our African uh, understanding. Mm. That, yes, um, there is the, under, the, the need to know who you are. And even Erickson, Eric Erickson, when they t- he talks about stages of development, he does mention the fact that between the ages of 12 to 18, it's a stage of identity versus identity confusion. Who am I? So knowing who you are, it's important. From an African perspective, to know what's it's how it's your root to know where you're coming from. However, that should not be mistaken that for children who are born at home, who don't have the last name of the uh, biological parent, may necessarily be dysfunctional. Because in African context, that 
There, there's always been ways to work these things. So we should not always pathologize because someone does not know their last name. There are African ways of dealing with that problem. Okay. So you are saying our culture is also not static. And I guess what's happening now, uh, especially after colonization, we interpret this culture so differently. And, and I've seen other people who are saying, I went to somebody, meaning a traditional healer uh, who says, I must go and look for my father. But you are saying, in fact, our African culture has always understood that for whatever circumstances, you know, you could actually, uh, uh, as you said, is bongo or, uh, um, you know, you could do ceremonies and rituals for uh, 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 a child whose surname, um, you, you know, they are not brought up in that patriarchal uh, uh, lineage where the father's surname is what um, the child inherits, because it's not always been the case that it's the father's surname. There are uh, 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 matriarchal lineages where, in fact, the children take the mother's lineage and not the father's. Uh, but thank you. I think we could have another episode around this. Let's listen to another question. And my last question is related to the COVID-19 pandemic and mental health. I just want to find out how can people with depression and other mental health issues seek help and take good care of themselves during this lockdown period. Thank you. The, the caller initially had asked about a question that we did not respond to, which was about referrals. Mm. Um, I think that in terms of referrals, would it not help if maybe you and I can compile the different um, places where the person can go and then you can then post yeah. them? Rather yeah, than I think them yeah. But to, to, to say to the caller, yes, there are quite a number of places that one can go to. However, whether they are ones that you don't have to pay or they are those where you have to pay, the ones which you have to pay is mostly going to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. But I would really encourage people that before you go to anyone, including myself, you need to get reference. Find somebody who's been to that person or research that person. Don't just go to any person because uh, there are some of us, uh, we, we, I may speaking, I may be soft-spoken and, you know, charismatic, but you may not know my, my value system. It may not be the right value system for you. So it's important to research who you go to and those who are of faith-based, please even pray that the Lord leads you to the right person. Don't just give your life and your mental health to somebody who you just have no sense. That's good advice, Sis Palisa, because often we treat professionals, and I'm sorry to put it this way, as God. But isn't it also a question of resources that maybe when you get to a clinic, especially in the public sector, you've got no choice. You've got no, you know, you don't, you don't choose who you see. You just see who you are assigned to. Yes. How does that work then? Then I would encourage, if possible, to get a second opinion. Because some, some of us in the mental health are very quick to pathologize. The very question about mm -hmm. if I don't know one parent, 
The issue of how many we grew up at Kakakoko, if we were 16 in a four-roomed house, somebody might see pathology in that. And as I say, as Africans, there's nothing pathological about it. It's just our reality. Okay. So it's important, and I'm not saying that we should not go to people who don't have the same reality as us, but at the same time, we need to be sure that people understand and help us within context, not using a different context to diagnose or help us. That's useful, Ospalisa. That's very useful. And and I guess what you are saying is that when you are not comfortable, especially maybe when family members are taking people, and you must recall, Ospalisa, some of us also go to different traditional leaders and churches. You are saying, be comfortable to say, am I agreeing with what this person is saying? Am I agreeing with this person's value system? I've seen so many people go up yes. and down particularly to, you know, know, we know somebody and we go to that person. Maybe you hear me saying, hey, this person helped me, but maybe they are not going to be able to help you because they are not the right person to help you. I think that is very, very, uh, very, very useful. We've got a number of questions. Let's listen to the next one. Good day. Here's a question from Anonymous that came through via Safe Space Inc. The question says... Does medication for depression work? And if so, how? Great. Yes, medication does work. I know that people who are leery of using medication, but I think that if you go for assessment and um, it is encouraged that you be on medication, it would help. However, I think for medication to work even more um in China, reliably, it has to go alongside with psychotherapy. So psychotherapy, you need to see a psychologist to, to go through therapy. And there's a bit of a difference between psychotherapy and counseling. Yes, you could go through counseling, but psychotherapy goes in more in-depth. It's more clinical, uh, a way of attending to your mental health issues. So counseling just deals with social issues. But uh, therapy, psychotherapy then deals with mental health issues. And there's a difference because sometimes we go for counseling when we have mental health related issues. So I, I, I would, you could start with either one because you would not know, but hopefully whoever you go to would then refer if they realize that whatever they're dealing with is beyond the scope of practice. Which sometimes as medical, mental health professionals, we tend not to be respectful of our scope of practice. We, we will continue with the person even when we know we really don't know what we're doing. Uh, so it's a, a, a incumbent upon the person themselves to realize that if they don't see any improvement, to, to find, to please find second opinion. It is always important to do so. But medication, I need to say, whilst a lot of people have uh, challenges because medication in itself can have side effects or can be addictive. but Ask your mental health practitioner what the medication is for. Research it. Understand its side effects. Understand um, long-term usage and things like that. Don't just take it because someone, your psychiatrist or psychologist said you may be on this medication. Please know your own medication and and take responsibility for what you put in your mouth. Great. I think that's important. Um, and, 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 and I've seen with other um, uh, conditions like with HIV, 
I think for me, what was important was the treatment literacy that accompanied HIV uh, literacy so that people understand the drugs that they are taking, but also understand that, you know, maybe you take a herb or a multivitamin. How does it act with your medication? I know there are some medications where they advise you not to take alcohol. So that kind of ask, know what you're putting in your mouth, is very important so that you actually know, you know, what is the mood? What is it that it is going to affect? And if you feel changes in your body, you then can ask um, your uh, health uh, uh, practitioner, you know, and tell them that this is how I'm feeling. Uh, what do you suggest? And and I do know that others, for an example, you've got to take them for maybe a month or so before you see an effect. So most importantly, as I hear you say, it's develop that relationship with the person that is treating you. Can is well said, um, Lebo, if I may just reiterate on that, that mm. medication, for example, for some people who have mood disorders such as bipolar, you may find that the medication that they take strictly states do not take any alcohol. Mm. When it says that, it even means a cough mixture before you take it, you need to check with your GP, use your GP because the alcohol content in that medication may not be right for the medication you're taking. Mm. Mm. So it is mm. always important to, 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 to check in. Also to know what you need to eat, how you need to do things. Education around your medication. Yes, as you were saying, that some medication before it kicks in, it may challenge you. It may take two weeks before it kicks in. And within that two weeks, you may feel even more challenged that you shouldn't stop the medication because you feel it's making you worse. But rather, when you know that, no, it's part of how it works, then you will just endure that, 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 that period until beyond. But if you think that even enduring it is true extreme, then you're also able to check with your uh, practitioner to say, is this still normal or is this worse? Because also sometimes uh, it, it may, you, your, the blood content has to maybe be checked for the, for the dosage you're taking. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Ospalisa. Another question that has come through the Safe Space Inc. group. Is there any relationship between traditional ways of dealing with mental health issues and Western ways of dealing with mental health issues because my cousin was diagnosed with schizophrenia in 2012. She then went on medication. In 2015, she had to go and be initiated as a Sangoma. She came back and ever since then, she has never been on any Western medication for her schizophrenia, but she has never been unwell or presented with any symptoms is there any relationship between the two thank you that's a biggie that's a biggie yes. what says you <laughs> um i think that first we need to recognize that there are people who have callings one of those callings is being isango and um sometimes people who have ubizo may see things that we don't see. Okay. But in our Western understanding, when someone sees things that we don't see, they, that can be associated with hallucinations. 
However, in African understanding, and I want to talk about the African epistemology, which is our way of knowing, alongside uh, the African anthology, which is our belief system, and the African axiology, which is our value system, that all of these ways of knowing, the African uh, paradigm, there is the understanding that we are human beings who are led in the spirit. And our spirit um, can come through. There are people who've gone before us who may have had gifts that they want to pass on. And those gifts would be gifts of born and through for the Sangomas. So as they see things that we may not understand, but then we look at, before we, we can look at if we take this person to the Western way of understanding, and yet they find that these people are seeing things. But before we, we qualify that, we need to find out from this person, who is this person? If the person says, Kibana Ichu Mo TV, that sounds weird. But if someone says, Kibana Nkono, Nkono allocates so so. So that means it's almost like within context. Let's try and find out from the elders or someone within the family. Um, and then see it within that context. However, even when the person goes to the, the psychologist, if for me the person says, as much as I'm not schooled, but I think I hope that my understanding and respect of the African epistemology will help me to say, once I don't know anything about this, but it seems like it's someone, something that needs a different discipline, which is an African um, uh, uh, discipline. Can you not go and find out more for people who have that gift? So it is important that as Western practitioners, we need to be respectful and see what we do when something is outside our scope to refer on. Same way as I hope that will also look at things within that context. If it's something that's outside of their scope, that they would refer onto the Western. I, I think because as Africans in South Africa, we have been exposed to both. There's nothing wrong in using both and amalgamating both for the benefit of the person. Um, I'm not sure if I'm responding to you. Yes, I think I think you are you are just showing how complex our lives are because you know many of us live these dualities, hey, particularly as African people. So, and, and I'm very glad that as a trained, a, a Western trained a, 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 a doctor of psychology, uh, you see and recognize the value, as you said, you said very nice words there about our way of knowing and our know, way of being, being part of who we are. And I think often what happens, and, and that is what complicates our lives, is that we 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 sometimes feel that these worlds are in are opposed to each other and i think for me the the reason why i say that is that we also have even kubungoma so many charlatans and i'm sorry to say that you know yeah. people take people for granted so you and, and then what also 
complicated is Christianity. People who will come and say, no, 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 we are born again. We don't even believe in those things. So by the time a person or a family gets help, you can find that this person, you know, could have gone to so many other people and could have been told so many contradictory things. But what I'm happy about in your explanation is how the different callings or the different, um, different uh, 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 understandings of who we are as a people don't cancel each other, but we need to enhance each other. So you are saying maybe go to somebody who will also understand your value system and where you are coming from. Because if they don't, you may find yourself in a place where you are misdiagnosed. But unfortunately, the, 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 the sector is that there are so few, particularly in the public sector, uh, psychologists, even social workers, etc., that maybe many of us, particularly the, the majority who rely on the public health sector, will not find somebody like what you are explaining right now, Uspalisa. But also many of us in the private healthcare sector are going to be seeing people who do not understand our culture and where we come from, you know. Um, so I, I, I understand what you are saying. Um, but here is a family. They are saying about the diagnosis. The person went and they are not seeing any symptoms. So would you say maybe there was a misdiagnosis around schizophrenia that the person, you know, now that they have not had a problem, it's fine. But I guess yeah. we are with a precaution that it's not a one size fits all. We can't say now that this person is not having any other symptoms that another person must do the same thing. But also... My little understanding, whether whether certain things. So mm. I think that we need to start from that premise. What it is that we are seeing? What is this that you are hearing? Mm. Mm. Because within the African understanding and epistemology, they guide you. Okay. All which right. is different from just seeing things that <laughs> Okay. So there must be, and maybe it must make sense, you know. Um, I hear people who are saying, you know, I knew from when I was young or we could see when this person was young that they've got this gift, etc. But it's a minefield on its own. As long as you are saying to people, yes, you know, um, um, there could be that there is a calling on this person's life and, um, you know, um, you are not completely washing it away because there are practitioners who just wash it away and say, I, that thing does not exist. Lem, can I just go back to the misdiagnosis to say, yes, there may be a misdiagnosis because sometimes our diagnostic manual, which is a DSM-5, uh, may not uh, understand for example, if somebody has what we would call, according to our Eurocentric training, catatonic schizophrenia, it's somebody who, like they stand still, they're in a trance. Abangoma or Baprofeta, they go into different type of trances. So we mm. may misdiagnose that. So my thinking again is that what is the person's thing? What are they saying? What are they being, what's being revealed? 
then it will direct us to say, is this a calling or is this true mental illness? So I'm not saying there is no mental illness. There is mental illness. But at the same mm. time, there is a calling. We need to also involve people with knowledge and gift and knowledge not only from an education or uh, from a literacy point of view, but also from the wisdom, God-given wisdom for people to cipher what this is for the person to get the right kind of help. All right. Thank you, Ospalisa. Next question. Some of our Black parents don't believe that um, anxiety and depression exist or that a child can have stress. So how do you tell them when you find you're finding it hard to cope during this lockdown because of your anxiety or about your future when they themselves don't believe that a child can have depression and then they don't believe that depression actually exists. Like anything that we may deem busanya in our mm. thinking, mm. we tend to be in denial of. So the symptoms when a child starts saying, well, if we to go with depression, starts talking about feeling low, not wanting to eat, not wanting to sleep. We may just think that they're acting out or deny certain things. But I hope that as parents, we would take a moment to think that finding out, just going to check in, there's nothing wrong in checking in. Checking in does not mean we accept something. Checking in says we verify. So I hope and that we are not expecting everything. So if a child cries about something, let us verify and stop being in denial. There's nothing wrong with mental health. It is that mental health is just an illness. If you have mental health, you have illnesses like any other person. It is just a miseducation around it that makes it such a bad thing. And if we think that our child is seeing things, it's okay. Some children may be very creative, but some creativity may be extreme. So let's just check in. If they're hearing things, let us just check in. If we think our children are talking out of context, that they're seeing themselves magnifying who they think they are, that they're being grandeur, Let's just check in and not start to um, try to diagnose ourselves or be in denial of the self-diagnosis. Because half of the time, we are the ones diagnosing without a, a, a health professional. Then we go into denial of the very diagnosis that we probably are not, we don't even know what exactly it is. Yeah. So, um, and also to, to say that there are early childhood signs of mental health. Different, there can be a child, early childhood schizophrenia um, behaviors, um, um, depression behavior, you know, there are signs that show all of these things. All we need to do is to find out, and the earlier we know about these things, the better, then we can be proactive. Okay, yeah. So it's important for parents, but I guess uh, what we are saying or what you are saying is that, you know, there is a lot of education around mental health that needs to be done, particularly for yeah. parents and other yeah. adults in child's uh, life, including teachers uh, to understand. But I like what you are saying when you are basically saying inquire, just find out. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Let's listen to the next question. Another question 
that came through Safe Space Inc. Can children get mental illnesses? Yes, most times it has been noted that, especially in early teens, around 13, um, a number of um, children can can show signs that mental illness. There are those that can show in early, early childhood, but now we're talking in general. Around 13, it's a, it's a, it's a usual onset. Um, the link, it can be linked to things like abuse, being bullied or teased, uh, or growing up with overbearing or over-controlling adults. Um, so those kind of things can in themselves exacerbate or contribute towards um, early childhood mental health. But I've also, as I said earlier on, that I don't want to um, downplay also the things that we believe in, like Satanism that expose children, or drugs that expose children to possible men, early mental health, Nyaube being one of them. Cannabis, uh, and alcohol also can lead to mental health. So it's just that it's a drug of choice, but it can lead to mental health. There are what we call substance-induced psychosis, and alcohol can induce psychosis. Explain that a little bit, Ospalesa, because I find that very interesting. Firstly, I have always spoken of alcohol as a drug, and I think this is where I speak about what I call the, the commercial determinants of health, meaning that because alcohol industry is such a big industry, you know, and it pays tax, we have normalized it. And because it's legal, people do not um, recognize it as a drug. And uh, I often cite the research that says the brain is only fully developed uh, around 24, 25. And we are seeing younger and younger people drinking. And it means that on one level, you are seeing people, they drink from 18, they are actually damaging their brains. <laughs> so more than anything, they are taking a drug. It's a drug that's made normal. Advertising makes it sexy. It makes it uh, acceptable. But the younger that they take it, is the, they can actually fry their brains. But you are talking about it as, and I know that it can be a, 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 a mood downer or something that causes depression. So I want you to talk a little bit more about alcohol and uh, 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 its contribution to, to, to mental uh, 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 conditions. I think that's a very interesting one. Maybe if I may start from the physical, that yes, alcohol has been noted to can cause irreversible brain damage. Mm -hmm. Alcohol has been noted to have contributed to other physical illnesses, such as mm. cancers, mm. two types of cancers. Uh, it has been TB, a gout, and others. But I'm not an expert in that. Let me go back to mental health. In terms mm -hmm. of mental health, when we look at our diagnostic manual, People can be predisposed to alcoholism, um, and especially the boy child is more predisposed than the girl child. That means alcoholism can run in families, 
And uh, there is no litmus test that one can do to show whether you are predisposed or not. So, but you look at behaviors of people within your family and uh, start being cautious from there. Because by the time you realize you have a problem, you already have a problem. However, there are telltales where you have who are very problematic. We start mm-hmm. from the, the four categories. The first category is alcohol abuse. Here, the telltale will be late coming. Second one is um, alcohol uh, dependence. Telltale sign is uh, absenteeism, especially on certain days, Monday and Friday. Yeah. Telltale of that level would be alcohol intoxication. Uh, telltale there would be aggression. More and more, but back in Lambaho, people had to turn 1975 and telling people where to get off. And fighting people—that's alcohol aggression. And then the last stage is alcohol-induced psychosis, where someone literally goes berserk, mental illness, and that's a point of no return. I need to hasten to say that people will say, "I don't drink every day. I drink once a week, once a month. I'm not an alcoholic." That's not necessarily an indication of alcoholism. That can be an indication of whether you're a problem drinker or not. But an indication of being an alcoholic is when you do drink, what do you do? People, if at all, I drink once a week or two weeks, but the minute I put it in front of me, I give it, I can say it. And then the midnight all three o'clock will be sent again. In fact, Ospalesa, um, before you continue, that is the nature of South African drinkers. Okay, mm-hmm. the majority of South African drinkers are binge drinkers. Exactly what you are saying. The majority believe that because I only drink at the weekend, I don't have an alcohol problem. It's not like Monday to Friday I drink. I drink from Friday or from Pusa Thursday. And they drink and they binge drink, meaning that, in fact, they are worse than people who drink a glass of wine a day or a day. People who will be at a function and the table will be full. And by the time they leave, like even a case of wine could have been drunk. So it's the frequency as in the number of days you drink, but the amount that you drink. Yes. and, 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 and in fact, uh, different be- beverages, the minute you go beyond two glasses or so, you are already on the danger zone. Now imagine if you are finishing bottles and there is bravado in our community. That, yeah, the table was black, you know, yeah. You know, there is bravado when in fact we are dangerous drinkers as South Africans. Yes, yes. Um, we we encourage that type of behavior, and that behavior, it's to our detriment. Mm. Mm. The other sign, telltale signs. I want about a list of twenty telltale signs of alcoholism. But other signs is after drinking tomorrow you are remorseful. Why do you do something that would be make you feel bad tomorrow? Mm. Um, or you hang around crowds that are not going to take you anywhere, that are less motivating to you. Mm. 
uh, where financially you run into financial challenges, why would you do something that is out of so out of control that you can't even manage your finances? So there has to be a problem with right that. Mm, mm, mm. So those are some of the telltale signs. But uh, yes, we need to acknowledge the fact that alcohol is a drug, but it's so acceptable. And it, 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 it looks very fancy how it's advertised, as you had said. So it's very attractive. Please let's educate yeah. our children about that. And the fact that alcoholism is an illness. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you said it. I'm very glad you said it, Ospalisa, especially during this lockdown. We saw, I mean, I couldn't believe the number of cues that I saw outside uh, alcohol uh, outlets, that the, the, the little uh, period that it was opened. And I think we have evidence right now that interpersonal violence goes down when you limit alcohol consumption. Doctors are saying that, you know, the amount of accidents that they saw thereafter. I think we need a conversation, perhaps a separate conversation. But you couple that with unemployment, you couple that with the heightened stress that we are feeling and how people will just say, you know, alcohol, uh, you know, uh, 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 takes the edge away. So there is something about our coping mechanisms um, and, and the history of alcohol in, in, in apartheid South Africa, you know, the DOP system, mm -hmm. the big houses that were built in townships. So while you are treating people in subhumane circumstances, you also open big beer halls you mm -hmm. know, in, in, in their communities and you sell all of these cheap brands. That practice was not uh, ended. I mean, you go into townships, you even find Ngoto. You know, and you are like, how? What? What size is this? And 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 it's only sold in townships. You know, so I think there's a lot that can be unpacked around alcohol. And as a nation, we've got to have a conversation. And you said, let's teach our children. I don't think the children here are at fault. I think let's teach our adults about alcohol and the dangers of alcohol. But thank you very much for that. We've got a last question, Auspalisa. Uh, let's take a listen. How do we disclose to our parents that we have depression or anxiety when we are not even used to sitting down with them and having a a, a normal conversation about how your day was at school or something like that? Wow. Parenting, hey? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big issue. Yeah. How do you even talk to your parents about your mental health when you can never just have a conversation, just a normal conversation? I think... Truth is always, not I think, truth is always important. However, truth should be timely. When you have to disclose, even to the person you are used to or comfortable with, it's important to prepare them. Because if they're not ready for your truth, that truth may become destructive to them or to you. So my encouragement would be, if it's a parent who you hardly ever talk to, which is unfortunate, ask them that you wish, it is your wish, I'm just using my own words, it is your wish that you'd like to spend 
five minutes once a week to talk to them on Sunday afternoons. Maybe do it for two weeks or three weeks so that you get more comfortable also. And when you do that, you don't talk outright to say, I have a mental illness. It's just like I am HIV positive. No. You then talk in the third person. You could say, you're at school or at work or around my friends. There's a friend who has this. What do you think? And um, just have a conversation. See how ready they are. If their responses are in the negative, that means they're still not ready. But if they're more on the positive, it gives you a sense of where they are mentally. And then hopefully as you continue maybe three times talking about that, maybe the fourth, fifth time, then you could say, you know, the friend I was talking about is actually me. But they have been used to hearing you talk about that. And also you you sort of have a sense of where they are at in terms of their readiness and their education around the subject you are bringing. If you think they're very naive on the subject, try to throw two or three things that, you know, depression, the symptoms of depression from my friend, it's like this. I've seen it from this. I'm so happy that I've had to learn this to realize that she's just not moody. She's just not a, a lazy person by not wanting to wash or change. Those kind of things we are educating, but we are also preparing. It sounds like a long-winded way, but definitely for it to to, to sink in on solid ground or on fertile ground, rather do the spade work. That's very important, Ospalisa, uh, what you are saying um, around how do we build cultures of talking. Uh, and, and, and unfortunately, in many of our homes, there are televisions, but after televisions, now there's uh, social media. Uh, I, I must say, and I'm guilty of that, I think in my home, we everybody has a lot of gadgets. Uh, that We are more relating to our gadgets rather than to each other as people. So I do think that maybe as homes, we also need to develop a time, either through washing the dishes or through cooking, mm-hmm. where we just with each other you know, and we, we talk. And, and I like your advice because you are saying just check where the person is at or share information. Nowadays, there's information, there's pamphlets. Uh, maybe right now people cannot go out to get uh, pamphlets, but uh, there's, 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 there's information um, that we can share. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. Sorry, Lebu, can I just go yeah. back to the issue about... The culture that we of gadgets and stuff. Okay, go go. That's a serious thing that worries me. Mm-hmm. It worries me because most of us, how did we develop our interpersonal skills by interacting with other people significant to us in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and stuff? So, children who are raised who in isolation whose only friend is a gadget, they are going to have problems with interpersonal skills. How are they going to relate to people? Tomorrow they become managers. They can't manage. Tomorrow they support. They were destined to be leaders. They can't lead because they don't know how to deal with people. They actually, there was a, a caller who had asked about being afraid to go to work. I think earlier on you had sent it to me. Uh, can yeah. you go back to that question because this would tie in with it. I think that yeah. would be very important. Yes. In fact, you are so right, Ospalisa, that there is a question of somebody who did not go. We will we will play it right now. Yes. Uh, 
affinity to was something that that made time to spend with our children or with our family members. Let's know them uh, and not let TV raise our children and not TV then instill values Zaboya Jola 99 onto our children. Mm. We need to have, and please, I mean no disrespect to anything, but we have to say certain things that are not healthy for children to be watching. Um, uh, it is important that children can know the sense of I am. Who are they? With the quality time we can spend, it can take just 10 minutes to teach people to talk about who you, how you, you grew up, who your aunt was, who your mom, where your mom came from. Those things are significant to know for our children, whether in their development or in their creativity. Some of them can, if maybe they're destined to be writers, they can write about those things. They're destined to be, to be, uh, uh, you know, formulators or creativity of some sort, they can use that information. That is their wealth. But we, how are we going to give them all those things when they are raised by TV and gadgets? Even development of language. A lot of our yeah. children don't even know our languages because we don't take the time to teach. We don't take the time to spend with them. The, yeah. the knowledge of indigenous games, the when I grew up, I didn't even know there was a thing like an occupational therapist. And I wouldn't think a occupational therapist was so necessary in my day because we used to play. Knowing how to grasp, we used to do skipping. Knowing how to count, scorchy. Knowing how to balance, mukusha. Knowing how to, you know, do all sorts of the memorized things. Um, it's just through play. And to visual coordination, decade. So all of those things are so important. Sometimes we cry, but we don't can't afford to take our children to specialists. We have specialists in who we are, how we grew up. We can use those things. Wow, Ospalesa, I can hear the passion um, in, in, in your voice. And let me tell you something. As somebody who has uh, worked in television production, I can tell you that. I have a bone to pick with channels that are created and they are consumed mainly by black people uh -huh. with the way that they will laugh at black lives. Yes. Show we are Jola 99 and I have gone publicly to say we are making a mockery of people's pain for benefit, for profit. And you are right. You know, um, we also as consumers, sit there and we, we consume the soapies. I mean, every other black soapy has a, a woman taking a man and has some craft and has violence. And, that, and a people that don't see themselves in a positive light will not have a positivity in, in, in their own outlook. And, and we, 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 we laugh at people's pain. You know, we laugh at people's pain it is joy when we are seeing somebody's uh, going to look for their boyfriend. And, and, and in fact, that kind of TV is what we have taken. It is the worst forms of TV that we have taken from um, America. Tabloid. Other, it's tabloid. You know, it's, 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 it's what, quote unquote, we call tailored trash life. 
you know? And we've taken those formats, we've brought them to South Africa, and we are making cheap television, but the psychology, they are anti-Black and anti-Black development, those shows. That's all that I can say uh, about them. And to hear people saying we are learning from them, it's hard, quite honestly. Let's listen to this other uh, uh, question that you referred to earlier. Okay, so what's happening is um, I'm not really an outgoing person, right? I'm always indoors and everything. It's not because I, I like staying indoors or what. At first, I was an outgoing person and then I realized Hore. What can I say? I realized Hore. I started um, believing Hore like no one wants to be around me. So to say. And then from there, then no longer going out. Like I couldn't even I couldn't even greet people like to say like I was so scared. But like when I get out, I would cry and cry and then think hurry. What So a question How like how if I can face people because I was in a leadership last year, ne? And then I loved my job. It was an IT job. I love IT, I love computers and everything. But the issue is I was working with customers and then I can't handle customers. Like I tried, I tried, well, I fought hard. And then I, I told myself, oh, no, I'm going to win this job and everything. But every time, not only the customers, but everyone, my manager, my colleagues, my every, they were very polite, I must tell you. Like, and then, like my eyes would fill with tears just because someone spoke to me and then I would have the answer but I couldn't say it because what if I say something and then the person doesn't like it so I don't know how to fix it I give you hello ma you could hear even from the voice that the person is really struggling and whatever it is that they are going through is even, especially in this fast paced world of looking for a job and being out there, they seem to be very good at what they are doing. They seem to be trying very hard, but there is something that really stops them. This is not who they want to be. What's your, what's your advice? First, the description of that problem, in my assessment, is what we call, it's a form of anxiety called social phobia. Social mm -hmm. phobia can make someone have unfounded fear of people, being worried if people are going to judge her, she doesn't want to offend people, she's embarrassed about you know, whatever she may think, how she looks, how she talks. Um, so it is a serious condition that needs attention. 
And um, mm. people with social phobias, they can find themselves having, when they're confined to, to be in front of people, they may just become mute and literally the voice doesn't come out. They start having heart be a rapid heartbeat, muscle tension, lightheadedness or dizziness, stomach problems or diarrhea, just right there in the inability to catch a breath, uh, almost having an out-of-body experience. So it is quite, as it's unknown. It's, it's one of those rare conditions, but it's unknown. And uh, But she, I think she needs to, hopefully it will give her solace to know that it's not something that's outside the normal human experience. Do, some people do experience that and it does have a name. You know, when someone has something that has a name, it makes you feel better that, okay, I'm not imagining something. Yeah. Yeah. So I I would really intend, and it works on your self-esteem from what she's saying, that she's good at what she does, but I think already her self-esteem is low. Um, yeah. Almost her, her social skills are poor. When people talk to you, you just cry. Um, there's an element of depression, and it's one of the symptoms of social phobia. Um, sensitivity to criticism, poor social skills. So I, I would really encourage that she seeks help. Okay, so professional help. Yes. Uh, it's, it's, it's an illness, and she can get help, and she can get um, uh, either medication or other forms of help, but it's, it's social phobia, and it can be helped. Yes, definitely. Um, most times they may, she may be given anxiety medication, which does help. And also psychotherapy would definitely help. Okay. And most people tend to experience this type of anxiety from the ages of 13 onwards. Okay. All right. Yeah. And the world is a cruel place. So I can understand how we struggle, you know, even the best of times, you know, for, 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 for many of us, even when we are in the public eye, we, we sometimes struggle. Life is not kind. Can I also say that sometimes also, I'm not blaming parents, but we should also as parents be little of the fact of being overbearing or over-controlling to our children because then that makes them doubt themselves and some of the things, utterances we may say may contribute to this type of uh, phobias. Yeah, but she can get treatment and it can be treated. Yes. Thank you so much for another session. It felt like we are sitting around a fireside, although we are doing this during COVID and we are not in the same room together. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much for answering the questions. And let me thank everybody who sent us a voice note with questions um, uh, because it really tells us that uh, the work that we do uh, people find it uh, meaningful and uh, they want to know more. And that is why we do what's love the podcast. We will be back with our, um, our sessions on, on um, uh, finance and the law. And we also encourage that if you've got questions around those ones for our legal eagle, Tinye Convente, to answer them that you basically ask them to us. But thank you. We've really enjoyed this session. Thank you. Can I just say that we thank you so much for bringing me on. Uh, thank you to the listeners. I hope, and I hope and pray that this session would be helpful to all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you want to give us feedback on the podcast, 
or you have a legal or finance matter that you would like some advice or assistance on, you can reach us via WhatsApp only or a voice note on 061-535-4623 or via email on zangazulugel at gmail.com. We will try to share information with you and where possible, Dineko, who is a legal expert, will give you some advice on how to deal with your matter. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter using the handle at what's love underscore podcast. And you can also find us on Facebook on what's love podcast. Please note that the views expressed in this podcast do not represent the views of the Soul City Institute for Social Justice.